Ryder Nation and William Powell bringing the energy, bringing the fight, bringing the fire every game day, every practice. Let's go, Ryder Nation. There's the Johnny McKegg band with Here You Go. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. Episode 135 in the Grey Cup race. Riders are in first place. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. I'm Greg. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Piffles Pod. You can follow me at RealAlexD. You can find me at Sathamod. Really? Can we? Uh, now you can. You're back? I'm back. I'm better than ever. I got, well, I got that's a, not I'm a high Eric, bar. I'm Bish, I've been Eric Bischoff's theme in my head now. I'm better than ever. Well, anyway. Uh, Steve has no idea who Eric Bischoff is. No, I guess probably. I do. He was the GM of SmackDown? Sure. Clo- well, close enough. He actually yeah, runs SmackDown okay. now. Okay. But whatever. He, was, he was a wrestling guy. I'm assuming anytime you guys talk a name, I don't recognize. <laughs> and you can follow me at Greg on sports. Give us a like on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash Podcast. Instagram at PifflesPod, and of course the website PifflesPodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. They're now on Skip the Dishes, and we're also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. Lots of great shows on both those networks. Well, let's not waste any time, guys. Let's get right into it. Time for the opening kickoff. funny <laughs> riders win 21 to 6 over the bombers this past saturday moving their record to 10 and 4 on the season first place right now all alone in first place in the cfl west really quick give me you guys' take on this past game what else can you say i can i just say and i, I wish you had the clip going but chris Treveller, you are who i thought you were thank you for being exactly the quarterback i've said you've been since day one that was the worst quarterbacking performance I've seen this year. And there's been some doozies. Didn't you tell me to have that clip ready? I did. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. That's all right. My Ooh. bad. Uh, this is why we don't even try to plan things because nothing ever goes through. <laughs> hey, no. hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what, what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason? We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Can, can I just say? Clip, can can I just say how easy that clip would be to edit for last for last night or this weekend's game? The th- we played them the third game of the season. They are who they we thought they were. Chris Streveler is who we thought they were. Just, oh man, I might I might have to have some fun with that one. The sad thing is, I remember exactly where I was when that clip first came out to be. Like it is that is so memorable the clip, but the Bombers, like our defense smothered them. Like, Andrew Harris, where was he? Since Andrew Harris has come back from his PED suspension... Would you say he's deflated? I'd be pretty close to saying that. Okay. Um, Careful. Careful. Leave Andrew alone. This most outstanding Canadian nominee, potentially. I don't know how that vote's going to work out and if they're going to hold that against him. There's no way in... It's not going to happen. They can't. He hasn't rushed for more than 60 yards. Look what he did before when he was juicing. He was leading the league. He was destroying the league and rushing yards. Yes, when he was having carrot juice every day in, in the <laughs> machine with the with the oranges and the apples. Yes, I, I yeah. 
He needs to get back to doing more yoga. That's what that, that's what's missing. He hasn't done enough of that in the last three weeks. Yeah, he's definitely lost something, and we can crack all the jokes we want, but he is miss he's missing a step, and that entire Winnipeg offense has not looked right since well, Daniel Bowl, I guess. Well, and I think that has a lot to do with Chris Strebler being the quarterback because now you're taking away the potential of it being a you know a play action or something like that. Quarter, <laughs> this is really funny. We talked about this about uh, Hamilton beating Winnipeg last or the week before. Hamilton's defensive strategy was to make Winnipeg's quarterback a quarterback. When you're doing that, there's a problem. Like, Winnipeg has a problem. The Riders did the same thing this past weekend. Well, they, we'll rush our four guys. We might bring a blitz every once in a while. But we're going to play straight up man. Well, that, that used Might to, throw in some zone. That but used to, that just used to beat be, us. That used to be the old strategy against Michael Vick, too. Especially in Madden. Like, you would never rush Michael Vick in Madden because he'd end up running for 100 yards for a touchdown. You do not make Chris Strebler run. You make him throw. If he throws, he's going to hit the other player in the numbers several times, even though our guys couldn't catch it, apparently. but Three interceptions they missed out on. I uh, mean, they got a couple other ones, but... That that one to eat him was the worst. <laughs> he hit him right in the numbers. And then the that, next play. That yeah. was the worst part. Two play. I thought at the moment that second dropped interception happened, I go, this is where the game turns. This is where Strebler starts to actually play quarterback. Yeah, I was wrong. We've seen it happen before. You mentioned now. You mentioned blitzing. Can I just give a give a shout out to Cam Judge? Right now, name a better linebacker at uh, disguising a blitz. Oh, he's so good at it. It's insane. The number of times he's just rocked a quarterback there. It's been fun. More of that, please. We usually, uh, if we ever do this segment, it's usually after that. But we're gonna get to it right now in the opening kickoff. <laughs> Okay, so TSN, after the game, they did their top Canadians in the league right now, if you're voting for, for the top seven Canadians in the league right now on defense, or I think it was just overall. It was overall, actually. So they had Andrew Harris at the top, Enoch Mwamba was in there, Kwaku Botang, and they were saying, okay, well, would you move any of these guys and talked about it on the panel, and or would you take one guy off and, and, and put another guy on the list, right? One name was omitted. Cameron, Cameron Judge. Tell me that there are seven better Canadians on defense it, right now in the CFL, there's not. Cameron Judge has been phenomenal this year. This leap that he's taken in this his third year, his third season in the league, has been phenomenal. And when they were saying, "Oh, who would you take out? Who would you put out?" or like put put in, they would take out whoever it was, Tendai Adelike from from Hamilton, and they'd put in Sean White, a kicker. You're gonna put in a kicker? Hey, kickers are people too. They are. You might as well put in Lewis Ward. At that it. point. I'd actually put Lewis Ward before him. But. Really? And then, like, Cameron Judge is the most underrated player in this league right now. Most, Maybe the most underappreciated. He's been phenomenal well, for look, the Riders. Just look just look at our defense, though. Who would you actually take out of our defense? Like, name name a group better right now. I can't. Like, you, you look, you start at your defensive line, moving the linebacker, moving the DBs. You can't touch anybody. I really don't see a weakness in our defense at this point. We knew our defense was going to be our strength this year, and you're right. There's not a single player on that spot that I would swap out uh, at this point in the season. They've all been playing well above expectations. The defense is rolling right now. As we get towards playoffs, they're healthy. But I agree with you. Cam Judge is highly underrated, not just for the the blitzing, but he's he's a sure tackler. He uh, He makes some pretty darn good hits. He's great in coverage. And he's great in coverage. 
And he may not be playing this week, but we'll talk about that a little bit later in the Tallgrass Apparel Enemy Preview. But uh, more more to the game itself this past week. Again, 21-6, Riders over Bombers. We mentioned Chris Streveler. Steve, you're you're the big guy. You're not a big fan of the Strevolution. That's going on. Strevamod. Strevamod. <laughs> yeah, I forgot you called him that. That was funny. Um, <laughs> you sit in the front row. You sit uh, a little bit ahead of me in, in, in our section. Were you just loving that all game long, watching Every. him absolutely struggle? He was 12 of 17. Good completion percentage at halftime. 59 For, yards. Nothing less than, than seven. Less than five yards of completion. That is exactly who he is. You cannot trust him to throw anything other than the little dump-off garbage. You know, he is a terrible quarterback. You know who this Winnipeg team is? They're the 2018 Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yep. This is exactly who they are. You know what? No, because at least Zach Caleros could complete a ball over 10 yards. They didn't make the play calls, but he could do it. <laughs> Would you trust Chris Strebler with the game on the line to drive you down the field with 10 and 15-yard throws? I'd literally hand, it, hand the ball off every single time. Yep. And that's what they were doing. But but how good was the defense? So Andrew well, Harris did not make a dent in this nope. in this game whatsoever. All they did was they contained Harris and Strebler and made Strebler throw. I'm actually surprised they didn't like try to roll Johnny Augustine out there just as a change of pace. Because when for some reason Augustine had the rider's number. It, is it just me or did they do a they they didn't do a lot of those uh the the what do you call those hand off this the wheel not wheel routes. My brain's not working today. The uh like the wide receiver handoffs. Jet sweeps. Thank you. The sweeps. I can't I can't do it today. But no, they, they, they didn't do a lot of those all at all. Police was very, very vanilla. It was it was kind of weird to see from the Winnipeg offense with how creative that they've been, but it's just And that played right into that defensive strength. Winding it down so he can become the Toronto Argonauts head coach or what? Maybe. We can talk about that <laughs> in just a little bit as well. Shaq Evans. Best best receiver in the league. That's what he tells us. 193 yards, the only touchdown of the game. Do I have to play the rumble clip again? Stop hot dogging on the 15 yard line. That was bad. Wait till you get it. If that you're gonna hold bad. the ball up, fine. Keep sprinting yeah, that while you're doing it. He slowed up and then almost got caught. He's lucky Kyron Moore was there kind of running interference. or yeah, He almost got caught, and that would have been like every NCAA guy who dropped the ball right at the one-yard line. Could, and have I been, hate- could have been worse. He could have done what Aaron Jones and Green Bay did and gave the little uh, the wave on the way around the corner. See, and for whatever reason, I don't have a, a problem with that. At least Aaron Jones didn't stop like stop running. That's true. He was clearly going to be in. I mean, so, so was Shaq, and... I don't want to give him that much grief because he had 193 yards, had some great catches in that game, big-time plays. That tip catch for 1,000 yards? That was a great The catch. fact he kept running, too. While, while making this. The... Most players would have just stopped to make sure that they get the ball, oh. and they would have been tackled right there, which would have been more than acceptable. This one, he kept, like... He kept on going. He, he kept he going tipped it to himself even... on the run. Yeah. the the be- uh, I saw a tweet... After, because of the Burnham catch, everyone's like, "Yeah, too bad the catch of the week is going to be uh, not actually a catch." And I'm like, "Nah, I'm pretty sure the Shaq Evans catch is is going to be is, is still a catch because I find Evans catch a lot better than the Burnham catch this week." It's, I know that Burnham catch was super it was good. Sweet, it's crazy it to me that that we've gone from last year where I was concerned with Shaq Evans catching a little dump pass out of the backfield to if the ball's in the air. Going to Shaq Evans, he's gonna I'm catch standing it. up ready to celebrate because he's going to catch it. Yep. It's insane. The leap he's made has been phenomenal this year. It's amazing how much like one year can change a guy and have a little confidence. And like you got to think like our major receivers 
are technically three of them are sophomores. Like they were rookies, like pure rookies last year. And yeah, you got Rosie there. You got Watson out there. But Shaq Evans and Kyron Moore are two of her biggest weapons. And once uh, JWL gets uh, full speed, my God, they're going to cause havoc. I do not see a hole on this Riders team right now. I, I put out a tweet today asking who, if, if you had to go out and get somebody on the trade deadline, who would you who would you pick up? And I'm with you. I leave the team exactly as it is. Well, we saw a blockbuster trade last year with getting Patrick Lavoie and Philip Blake out of Montreal. I don't think anybody saw something like that coming. And, and, and that's the, a black, black bus, That's a blockbuster in the CFL. And that was a great trade. The funny thing is, though, neither of those players have made a, any any impact this year because Lavoie and Blake have both been hurt. Imagine how good our offensive line be with Blake on there, and how good our our uh, pass um, uh, our blocking would be with Lavoie out there. But we haven't missed them because this team is stacked top to bottom. Yeah, trade deadline, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, would you guys, even like Adam Stewart suggested, Brad Sinopoli as a rental? Well, one, Ottawa's not going to give up on Brad Sinopoli. And who, but, but <laughs> Why not? Who, they gave up on the rest of their offense. Well, that's true. <clears throat> but, who, who, like, yeah, you're going to take Watson out, but why would you take Watson out? We got Kenny Stafford and Manny Arsenault as our scratches as wide receivers. Like, what the heck? Yeah, but if you have the chance to go out and get a guy like Brad Sinopoli, you oh, jump no, on no, it. Oh, no, no, don't get me wrong. You, you could, but why would you? Like, the the ask from Ottawa would be too much to make that make sense, like, to actually pay it through. So, Riders win 21-6. to six. Uh, We were talking about catches. Let's give uh, a little bit of uh, love for LJ McCray, his interception. Oh, that was nice, too. Really nice. The nice thing that, about a couple of the picks, the, the McCray one, the Ed Ganey one, they were both... Potential scoring plays. Oh, that that gainy one. You hold perfect e- timing. Even if uh, those passes aren't completed, they're just incomplete, and they kick field goals after that. That's a totally different game still. Yeah, no. Uh, the Riders found a way to, even if Winnipeg made it within scoring distance, the Riders took away the ball, and that, that's what you need to do in like, games that are that tight. AC Leonard coming up with a, a big strip sack fumble. Winnipeg was in a uh, field goal range there too, so. That there's easily at least nine points changes the game. Well, totally. So got to give massive props to the Riders defense, and that's kind of what we expect out of them now is now they're actually turning the ball over, which is what we haven't seen, you know, the first almost two-thirds of the of the season. Now they are. They're getting into the, kind of their ball-hawking ways. Remember, like, game two or three where everyone's, like, scratching their heads wondering what the, what the Shivers defense was going to look like? This. I like the way that, no, but the thing is, though, it didn't look like this. Like, nope. this looks way better. Well, Riders have one more big, massive game coming up. That's against Calgary this upcoming Friday. Again, we'll talk about that later on in the show. That was the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Check out her Facebook page, Kathy Festion Royal LePage. One more thing on the trade deadline before we uh, move on here Winnipeg. Rumor going around that Toronto was looking for. Rumor going around that Winnipeg approached Toronto for Zach Kolaros. Toronto replied back with, uh, oh, hey, we'll give you James Franklin. 2019. Uh, None of those Steven guys Dodd. are under quarterback or are under contract next year at all. And Toronto, for whatever reason, seems to be set on having Zach Kolaros instead of James Franklin. Not that Franklin's been any good and, and worth keeping around, but I, I'd keep him over Zach Kolaros. I think they're... And I could be wrong because Pop got fired. So I don't know what he was thinking. Um, 
I'm thinking they think they can get better value for a guy with Franklin's upside as opposed to a known concussion study. And I, and the fact that Winnipeg is going after Claros is because they want a guy with experience behind Strebler. They don't want a guy who is wishy-washy at best. And I think that's where the where the two teams lie. I don't know. If, if I'm Winnipeg, I, I, I want Claros because technically you don't want him to play. Like, you want Chris Strebler to be the guy. As a Ryder fan, technically, I don't want him to play. If I'm a Bombers fan, I want whoever else we can find to play over what they saw at quarterback on Saturday night. Throw one arm Matt Nichols. Do it. It would be better. Does Winnipeg make a deal before the trade deadline? By the time anybody listens to this, there'll probably be like four trades. Yeah. And well, actually, the like, deadline's like, going to be over. Like I was telling Steve, I think if Toronto trades one quarterback, they trade two quarterbacks. I think, I think they send one to Edmonton and they send one to Winnipeg. If Winnipeg doesn't make a trade, they're giving up on 2019. Because you are not winning three playoff games with Chris Strebler. Let's do an around the horn prediction where they where they end up after the trade deadline. And I like you bringing in Edmonton in this because Logan Kilgore, he was held out of practice on Tuesday as well too. Precautionary, mm-hmm. but still. And they've been absolutely tanking in Edmonton since even with Trevor Harris, they've been tanking, but they're just looking like garbage right now. Zach Claros. If Claros moves, he's in Winnipeg. If he moves. I don't think he moves. Toronto seems really intent on keeping Zach Caleros, which I don't know why, but. And then I think Franklin ends up back in Edmonton. McLeod Bethel Thompson? He stays. They ain't moving him. If anybody goes to Winnipeg, it's him. I don't think there's any deals. Oh, that's. It's a CFL trade deadline. Like, come on. There's there's never anything that happens. (laughs) We got spoiled last year. We're not getting that again. Yeah, you need Cavis Reed to do something stupid. There might be a couple of like necklace players swapped that no one will know about because we're not allowed to know about this secret list that every team has. But I think if, I don't know, with this new brain trust in Toronto and considering they literally have no one in under contract going into next year, why not? Can we just say welcome back Pinball Clemens? He never left. He was still oh, with yeah. the Argos organization. But welcome He's back been- to the sidelines. Well, kind of. Kind of. The press box. He, is he the guy that to change it around? No. I think he is. The culture I, in p- Toronto, p- they love pinball there. You ask PR anybody. Wise, PR-wise, he's the best move. I don't know why they named him GM. They could have found a better spot for him. But, but let's face it. Murph is... He's Mur- his right-hand man. Yeah, Mur- Murphy's going to be the GM. It's the same reason, same reason the, or same way that uh, Chris Jones was our GM. Everything was handed off to O'Day and Murphy anyway. So Murphy's by default the GM. I was really hoping that the rumor that Tillman was going to be their GM was was true because I was just laughing my butt off about that. This is From a football perspective, that would have been a great choice. The absolute funniest thing that Pinball said in his uh, introductory press conference as uh, GM. When I was asked the first time, I said no. And then I said no again. Then I... Um, decided that this was um, bigger than me. Most everything is bigger than me. <laughs> I love pinball, Clemens. That yeah. is, I don't really buy into the, like, I mean, I'm not motivated by guys that'll just give a speech or whatever and like, yeah, rah, rah, rah. I would run through a wall for pinball. Watching that man talk, wow. He- I just can't wait for all of the the quotes that will come out of, a microphone in front of pinball clubs. He's great. Absolutely. He might be my favorite player that never played for the Riders. 
I, I, I'm trying to think of someone right now that played for the Riders that I absolutely love, and I love me Pinball Clemens. It's hard to hard to disagree with that. It's a great move for Toronto. It's going to put eyes back on the team. It's going to make people care about the team again. And he mentioned in the press conference, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to be a process. And if there's anybody that's going to stick around for that whole process, it's Pinball Clemens. He'll be there for another 30 years. And the good news is with Pinball Clemens, it buys some goodwill with the fans. They don't need to win right away. And he even basically said, don't expect winning right away. When they hired Jim Pop, the, the, the expectation, and trust me, the expectation is we're going to win. Well, they did, and they just couldn't keep winning. At least, at least with pinball, it, it buys them some time to try to right the ship. Argo pun. But. Boo. I know. I wish people could see the way we're shaking our heads at him, but, you know. So, I think it's a good move for Toronto. Having a, having a guy like Murphy there definitely helps, and hopefully this is finally the thing that helps turn this team around long term. Now, we got a treat for you guys here on the Piffles podcast. Rider alumni, former running back for the Riders, Kenton Keith joining us on the phone line. Kenton, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. I'm out here in Austin enjoying the weather. I'm doing great. What about you? Well, we got a little bit of snow here in Regina today, so I'd... <laughs> not not as nice uh, as you're having it. I'm pretty sure y'all used to that up there, though. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever miss the uh, the winter weather of Saskatchewan? I think this year is the first year I've actually admitted to me missing some snow, which is weird because I'm from Nebraska, so I was I was raised in a lot of snow, but you know there's no there's no cold like Regina cold, but I do miss it, man. I miss I miss playing in the snow. I don't miss living in the snow. I miss playing you know football games in the snow, kind of like the Western semifinals we play uh, Winnipeg. That was like an awesome, super cold game. Well, we'll talk about those games in just a little bit here, uh, Kenton. I want to ask you about your your, your tweet uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, you want to retire as a rough rider. Yeah, I've always wanted to. I've actually seen some people ask me, why do I want to retire now? But this is something that I've been trying to do probably like for the past four or five years. I was just told that I couldn't a long time ago. And when I, you know, when I tweeted it, I, I didn't expect the big of a feedback that I got. I was just kind of venting. You know how tweeting is. I was just kind of venting. I was just, you know, hopefully wishing. But I was already told by Jeremy O'Day that, um, that I didn't have enough years when we had a face-to-face conversation, I think maybe in 2015 or 14 or something like that. And he told me that I didn't qualify, which at the time I didn't know what the rules were. I still don't really know what, you know, the rules are as far as your eligibility, but hopefully they can make something happen for me, man, because I feel like, you know, four years, especially with the numbers I put up and the, and the things that, you know, that we went through at the time that we were Rough Riders, you know, trying to change the face of the Rough Riders a little bit. I hope that doesn't go unnoticed, son. And I hope they let me, you know, retire in good fashion. Well, I mean, I, I look back at uh, at my, when I started becoming a Ryder fan on my own, those were the years where you were shining uh, in those West semifinals, in, in the playoffs with the Riders. That was some of the most exciting football I remember back then. I mean, personally, I've seen the fan outreach since your tweet. I, I'm hoping that uh, that sends people in the right direction. Yeah, I'm hoping it does something, man. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a rough rider at heart. I bleed green. You know, my family is all rough riders. My wife, people don't know, but I am married, and I, I my wife was a a cheerleader um, for the rough riders, which we always kept under wraps because it was, you know, it wasn't. It, I guess it was illegal for the, the the cheerleaders to talk to the rough riders, so we always had to keep that a uh, secret. But um, you know, that'd be great for our family, especially my son was born in Regina. He's a real big football head. So for him to be able to go back home and, 
know that his dad played and was a you know was an all star player for Saskatchewan. I think that'd be you know great for our family, man. I mean, that's what we talk about. The Rough Riders is the way I met my wife, the way that you know everything happened for me in my life. So I feel like I owe the city at least that. You know what I mean? So I'm a Rough Rider at heart, man. I tell people all the time, no matter what jersey I have on, I'm always gonna be a Rough Rider. Obviously, Regina now is a big part of your family, but what was your first impression when you land in Regina? You'd taken a old Taylor Field. What's going through your mind looking at that old girl? Well, before I even stepped a foot on Taylor Field, I already made a judgment. I felt I felt like I honestly and don't you know I don't want this to go the wrong way, but I felt like I walked back in the time a little bit. <laughs> I mean, when I got there, everything was just a little you know a little older than what I was used to. The houses, the cars, the people. Uh, you know, they dressed different. It was something to get used to. But what I did find out the longer I stayed there was that, you know, this was a great – it was a great place for football, for sure. Everybody was all about their sport, and um, everybody was all about their players. And that's what I liked about it, man, because it was a family – it gave you a family feel when you you know, when you were, when you weren't even playing football. Like, if I go to the store, people knew me. People knew who I was. They were ready to do things and help me out and stuff like that. So, man, uh, you know, when I first stepped in Regina, it was like a shock. It was like a shock, just a culture shock to me, trying to get used to everybody, and everybody was so nice and wanted to help me out. And, I, and just that in itself wasn't something that I was used to coming from Omaha, Nebraska, where there's a lot of violence and a lot of people are, you know, it's like crabs in a bucket mentality type of situation. But that was something for me to get used to, and I really liked it, man. It was hard for me to get used to it, but I, I, ended, up, I ended up loving it, man. Do you ever miss the fame of Saskatchewan, like just walking down the street and having literally dozens of people come up to you? Ah, that's a tricky question. Yes and no, because I I was never really the guy that um. Not, I wouldn't say that I didn't like that type of stuff, but I like to. I, I'm I'm more of a I'm an introvert. So just just by knowing that, sometimes it, it, it took a while for me to be able to get used to, you know, speaking to people, keeping a smile on my face, um, conversating with people about football because I was I was so used to being to myself. But that did allow me um, to to be able to open up and be able to start doing, you know, better interviews and just being a lot more open with people and understanding that I do have fans and I do have a responsibility of talking to them and, help, and you know, giving them things that they ask for. So it was weird at first just for me coming out of my shell. But I got used to it, man. I think I'm, I think that helped me to be a better person after, after football a lot also too because I deal with a lot of clients now doing what I do and I have to be approachable. You know what I mean? And sometimes the look on your face or or just by the way you, you know, way you move, sometimes people don't want to approach you. And when I was in Regina, that was something that my dad made me focus on. And um, I feel like if I didn't have that in my life at that time, then my life now would be a lot different. Now, now looking back to your start of your career with Saskatchewan, what did you know about the CFL before you got off the plane? Man, I didn't know one thing. I know nothing at all, honestly. And it's crazy with me, man, because I know I've played football all my life, but I, I never watched football. You know, I, I didn't watch it growing up too much. I used to collect cards and stuff like that and play tech mobile and stuff like that, but I never watched football. So I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know any of the players. I never knew who came from, you know, who came from there that was playing in the NFL. So when I first got my Saskatchewan contract, I looked at it, man, and I ripped it up. And I threw it in the trash can because I thought it was just like some – Rudy Poo, semi-pro type of situation that I wasn't trying to do. And I was working at the time. I had already gave up football. I was like, eh, I don't know what this is. I'm just going to rip it. 
And I went to work and I came back and I dug through the trash and looked for it because I had a bad day at work and I signed the contract and that's where my career started. <laughs> it's crazy. I need, I need you to settle a bet for us here or a little, a little argument that we have. The black jerseys, which is famous during your, your time here, and I think they actually after you left, they pretty much got rid of them. Mm-hmm. Were they good or bad? I loved them, man. That was, I feel like, to us, when we were playing at that time, we felt like when we put the black jerseys on, we had a different mentality. We liked them a lot. You know, the Deion Sanders saying is, you look good, you feel good, you play good. You play good, they pay good. So that's just kind of what it was, man. You know, when you go out there and you feel like you look good, you play good, and you don't really have to worry about too much else. So that's kind of what it did for us. Um, it was a little switch up from the traditional Rough Rider stuff, and we felt like we were trying to bring a new element to the game anyway. So when we put those black jerseys on, they kind of summed up everything as a whole. And uh, we loved it, man. We loved it. I wish they still wore them. Now, we talked about the, uh, the the snow games earlier, Winnipeg in, in 2003. There was the Calgary West semifinal in 2006. Those two games really just kind of uh, just they stand out to me as like those were those are Kenton Keith games, like the typical games, the big, long touchdown runs, just the big explosive plays. What do you remember about those games? Well, I remember, you know, like I said, man, me being from Nebraska prepared me a lot for cold games, even though at the time, you know, I was complaining, like, oh, my God, it's so cold out here. But, you know, when you have those type of games, um, um, uh, the running game is a big situation. So most of the time when it's really cold out there, the whole the whole offensive game plan is to run the ball. And you know that you know that going into it as a running back, and in my mind it's like, oh my God, it's so cold. I'm gonna protect my hands. My fingers are so cold. <laughs> but after a while, you know, you get you get used to it, and it's not really that cold out there once you get to the adrenaline rushing. But I just knew the task that I had in front of me. You know, I'm, uh, I would always like to call myself the Kobe Bryant of football because I want the ball every single time. If you ask me, but. Um, those were games that I knew that I was going to be getting fed the ball, and I was just trying to make sure that I, you know, I did my job without trying to do too much sometimes. Um, and I knew that the game would end up coming to me after a while, just as long as you keep pounding the ball because that cold sits in, especially when those defensive players get tired. They start getting tired. They start worrying about their fingers, worrying about their cold, and that's when you got them in your pocket right there. So I knew, and my coach, Danny Barry, would always tell me, you know, just keep, just keep pounding at them. They're going to they're gonna wear down. The colds are going to get to them, and then you'll be able to start doing what you want. And every time he told me that, that's what actually actually happened. Now, moving a little bit down south, what, what do you remember from your time down in Indianapolis with the Colts? What stands out to you there? Um, what stands out to me, what stands out to me is the fact that it was the adjustment that I had to make the adjustment that I had to make. Not that I was playing in the NFL for the first time or anything like that, but I was playing with Peyton Manning or anything, nothing like that. What stood out for me was the adjustment that I had to make because it was weird for me to never be nervous for a game. I was never nervous. It was weird for me not to be in the game when there was a time for to figure out who's going to win the game. So, you know, me, me playing second string was a big role switch for me, and it was something that I had to learn how to get used to because I've never been in that position in my entire life. And uh, I think Peyton Manning's dad, Archie, he kind of noticed it from me along, you know, long before I ever, ever expressed my feelings about me being second-string. But he kind of noticed my body language, and he would always come talk to me um, before we went to the locker room, just like, man, be patient. We know what you got. Just be patient. Don't let, you know, don't let your new role change the way you go out there and perform. And he would always, and I was always wondering why. I didn't even know him at the time. He would just always come to me and tell me these things, and, 
it helped me a lot, man, because it was really bothering me. And for me to not have any family out there in Indianapolis, anybody to kind of talk to, I didn't really know the guys that well that long to, you know, kind of then it was something I was dealing with. So for, for him to kind of notice it and recognize it was really big for me, and it kept me on a straight and narrow. And, um, but that was it. That was probably my biggest, biggest um, adjustment, man, was being second string and not being in the game when the game was on the line. Now, you played with Peyton Manning, as you mentioned here. I, I got to know. He seems to be like a, a pretty happy-go-lucky, fun guy. Pretty funny. He does all the commercials and, and TV now, um, and and he looks really entertaining. Was he really like that in practice, or was he just kind of like? Did he like yell at everybody? What was what was Peyton Manning really like? <laughs> no, man. He's that's actually the real Peyton Manning. Uh, is the funny guy. He's really funny, man. He's definitely the locker room clown. Me and him at that those years. I think me and him were more of the two out going comedians of the team at that time i remember uh for my rookie hazing he was my he was the guy that I, that that did my rookie hazing everybody was signed a a vet and they made you go um he made me go to a grocery store to pick up a turkey for him for christmas which was well what i was supposed to do is my hazing so when i got there i picked the turkey up and they made me take this picture at the store with this big chicken mascot which was just just to humiliate me pretty much i didn't know so when i got home i had the turkey in my car and you know at that time in indianapolis it was real hot but by the time i got home my whole entire back seat of my car was just wet and i never looked in the bag but they just gave me a big gigantic block of ice and so he the next day he came in uh to practice like ken where's my turkey at and i was really mad because i woke up the next morning i actually left the turkey in the car I didn't tell oh, no. him that, but I left the turkey. I left the turkey in the car, but when I got back out there, my whole seat was just drenched in water, and I was like, "Man, what was that? You just came. You made me go get a big block of ice and blah 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 blah." And everybody just started laughing. So that was my rookie hazing. It was done by him. So that was a pretty cool moment um, with him to kind of open up our friendship. And you know, from that point on, we we kind of became really good friends, man. I know. Um, it took me a while to make the starting 53-man roster, but once I did, it seemed like me and Peyton actually started becoming a lot more friends because, you know, I needed to be on the same page as the first-string running backs and the other guys, so I got to conversate a lot more. So I got to see what kind of person he actually was, and all he did was ever was, you know, crack jokes. And, you know, when it was meeting time and time to watch film, he was all serious, but any time in between, man, he'll be cracking jokes on rookies, cracking jokes on anybody, whether it was my afro or Joseph Adai's hairline, whatever it was, it was always something. <laughs> Got to take you back to Saskatchewan for a little bit. Um, so you're known for your stuff on the field, but you're also kind of semi-famous for Frontline. Can you explain Frontline for those Ryder fans who have no idea what we're talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Frontline, you, Shantae. I'm just joking with you, okay, man. That was, uh, Frontline was... Um, I mean, it pretty much was, you know, I don't know if you know Shante Peoples much, but he was more of like a manager type of person in the group. Uh, he kind of managed us. And me and Nilon, we were already talents that just were playing football. So I had my music career going, and Nilon was a great artist himself, but he had never put anything on tape and put it out. So with all of us meeting up and becoming friends, uh, you know, I already had my studio down there, so I just – you know, I was always in my room. If I wasn't studying my plays, I was making beats or stuff like that, and they would come over. And one day we were just like, let's just put a song together. I found out Elon can rap a little bit, and we became roommates, and we was already making songs together. And Shantae came in and put it all to the business side of it and managed it and made it, you know, actually that's the first album I ever had in stores, actually. 
you know, I got other songs and other albums that I've done before I played football and off-season type of stuff, but that's the first album that I ever had that you can go get from a store. So it was a pretty cool situation, man. I kind of, you know, Neilon's back doing some music. I guess he's uh, out in Clemson doing his, um, I mean, he's out in New York doing some doing some work with his little brand, but he just put a little music thing out where he was uh, talking about Clemson because that's, that's, that's where he went. I guess they're, not, they're number one in college right now, so it, was, it made sense for him to do. But he's still rapping. Um, I still do a little music here and there, but... Frontline was just a, a, a spur of the moment type of thing. It wasn't nothing uh, for us to kind of go too far with. It was just more of a something for us to do in Regina outside of football to stay out of the out of the streets and stay out of the bars and all that stuff and give us something to do and also something to give our teams uh, uh, to amp us up to go out, out out to go play. You know what I mean? Give us a <clears throat> a little soundtrack to our season. Well, Frontline is actually available on YouTube. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, the uh, one, one of your one of your guys' tracks is on YouTube. I know that they had. Uh, I know that somebody posted the regular track in the remix version, but I didn't know. I mean, I don't know how that works, man. I don't know if you can. I know there's a whole different world out there as far as streaming and digital plays and all that type of stuff. I don't really pay attention too much of it because if that money was being made somewhere, I never seen it anyway. That's more of a Shante thing. I'm just an artist, man. I'm just a talent. It was a good experience, and um. I would love to do it again, actually, man. I would love to try to make another album, or not an album, but a, a anthem song for Saskatchewan, not as a player. Would you ever do, like, a diss track with uh, Shaquille O'Neal? He's going up against uh, Dame Lillard all the time now. If y'all can find me somebody in uh, the CFL to go against, I'll do some diss tracks with them, see what they got. All right, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll set that up, because I know there's a couple guys that do uh, do some rapping on the side as well, too. We'll, we'll, we'll set that up for you. Maybe we should go team for team. Like, I'll be the Saskatchewan guy... BC find them a guy and we just diss each other. Deron Carter does it out of BC and yeah, uh, we know one out of Calgary with uh, Derek Dennis and I'm sure we could find. That'd we, be we, pretty we, cool. We get a we get a West Division going here if we really wanted to. <laughs> so Kenton, you got That's an open funny. mic to uh, to all the Rider Nation here. Is there anything you uh, you'd want to say to them? Yeah, I would just like to say that uh, my time there was great. It was it was a learning process. I learned a lot. I really appreciate the people that's been in my corner from day one. I know I get a lot of flack from some rumors that that's been said, and and what's crazy is I don't really address too much of that stuff. But it's so much fake news out there. I think I'm like I'm happy for Trump because he he realized that. I mean, he made the world realize that there is fake news. So sometimes I you know I would get caught up in certain situations where people hear something or read something and that's what they believe. It's been a thousand times where I've been in situations where I've had to go to Roy Silver's office and ask me, hey, did you did you steal somebody's purse last night? Somebody called and said you did, and it wasn't me. It's been times where, hey, have, were you going somewhere with this girl at the time, and it wasn't me. And it's been a thousand times where I went into the office and it wasn't me. So sometimes I get caught up into things that I had no business in, you know, and I had to explain myself that it wasn't me sometimes, but that doesn't get to the world. And sometimes, you know, people hear fights in the locker room or anything like that, and they think that it happened. Well, none of that ever happened. Me and Andrew Green never got into it. We never fought, never messed with his wife, never did any of these things. So I just wanted to address some of that stuff because I know that a lot of people like to make fun and give flack for certain things, but that was never me, man. I was always the 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 – locker room clown. I brought my team together. I try to keep a happy environment. 
I was always the jokester on the team, and everybody loved me. I loved everybody else, man. So sometimes, you know, sometimes those things can mess up relationships that people don't actually know what they're talking about. You know what I mean? Um, as far as Saskatchewan goes, man, I, like I said, I bleed green. My family is all all through Saskatchewan, and I just love the place, man. I learned to love the place for what it is, and I feel like to to love the Regina for what it is, you got to spend some time there, and nobody can really understand that love. So that's pretty much it. Well, Kent Keith, thank you so much for your time here on the Piffles Podcast, and hopefully the uh, the whole retirement thing that uh, that works out for for you in your favor. I'd love to see uh, love to see you back here, retire as a rider. I appreciate you guys, man. I appreciate the interview and all that. You guys keep doing your thing, and I'll stay trying to do my thing. Hopefully, I can get this done. Um, but I would love to be able to. I would love to be able to retire as a rider, and if not, you know, I'm okay with that too. But that would be the the best end piece to my story, if you ask me. All right, let's move on here. Time for this week's CFL Tweet of the Week, and back to do it is Steve. Hold your hold your applause. Yeah, one one day on Twitter, and he thinks he can bring back Tweet of the Week. Ooh, somebody's got to do it. Greg did it last week. No, he didn't. Because if I did, it would have been one of mine. Because I'm hilarious. And that's didn't why we, we do don't it? let Greg. We didn't do, do it last week. week. No, we didn't. Oh. we talked about it, but we never did it. Oh, yeah, probably because there was nothing good on Twitter. No, besides me. Well, it's because I left. Nah. I can feel the love in this room. It's fantastic. <laughs> so this week's Tweet of the Week goes out to fellow CFPN member John Hodge. I I, I got to say, it's, it's it's solid. Just And I think I, I love it mostly because it's just another shot at Chris Streveler, which, let's be real, that's my favorite thing on Twitter right now. In fact, I think my first tweet back was a shot at Chris Streveler. So, it was, actually. Yeah. So there we go. So he goes, remember, folks, the Bombers don't need to acquire a quarterback. Nope. Why would they? Chris Trevler is on pace for a little over 100 passing yards tonight. That's all you need, right? I mean, they have won a game with him throwing for 89. I just I just love when when people take shots at their own team. But subtle shots. Well, that one wasn't all that subtle. But just keep it up. I don't want to be the only one taking shots at the Bombers. Bombers fans might as well do it too. Hey, they're the most complete team in the league. Yeah, they were. They've lost four of their last five. Who's on the okay? Who who's on the bigger slide, Edmonton or Winnipeg right now? Like who who's yes. like who's like in the like terminal velocity sliding down a mountain right now? I would say Edmonton. I'd say Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Winnipeg's defense could still win them games, and if Harris gets going, he can still win them games. But Edmonton, they had issues with Trevor Harris all already there that they couldn't score. You can move the ball between the twenties, but they're just kicking field goals. And Gable going down right now is going to Gable getting hurt, and their defense hasn't really looked that good. And I, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> That's a loud, wow, that was long, loud. long echo. Winnipeg, Edmonton will not make the playoffs. There's they no will lose way. out. They will lose out. Winnipeg, BC, <laughs> BC will win out. Not yes, that includes beating Be the nice. Riders next week. BC will make the playoffs. They will cross over. Not a chance in hell. They're not going from one and ten to eight and ten. Did you get see that garbage the, out of here? Did you see the CFL predictor? The simulator. The yeah, simulator because that's that based out? on recent games. They've beat Ottawa and BC has beat, a and Toronto. percentage of getting to the playoffs than Edmonton does. They're still three games back when you include the. You, you, the remember, tie break. you remember when fans were giving us hell because we hadn't beaten a real team? 
They still haven't. BC hasn't actually beaten a real team. Ottawa, Toronto, who was their other win against last week? Oh, no, it was Ottawa, Ottawa, Alouettes. Toronto. Alouettes. And they beat, yeah, Montreal last week. Oh, yeah. I mean, so they beat half the game. Okay, they probably so, should have okay, lost. So here, okay, here's where I kind of agree with you, but I disagree with you. Wow, way to way to pick a side there. Greg. Okay, no, because B, okay, BC is going to win this week in Edmonton. Yep, totally see that happening. We all know that's happening. Obviously, we go out there for that stupid late Friday night game, which never ends up going good for the Riders. But they got Calgary the following week. That is where I see BC. They'll get there, and it'll probably be interesting. I just don't see them winning that game. BC should have beat Calgary in Calgary this year already. If it wasn't for Foley Five Mitchell getting hurt and Nick Garbuckle going off, BC wins that game. Running away. I was at that game. I hated that. Every moment of that ending. I hate Calgary. There's no way. They're not going 7-0 and to it's close out the happen. year. It's going to happen. I'm telling no. you. It's going to no, happen. No, because you know what's going to happen if they do? Somehow that garbage team is going to win the, the Grey Cup. And now we're going to have to hear about their 0-5 start. Now they're 1-10 start. And no season is ever done. Get that crap out of here. It's a great storyline, though. It is a great storyline. Yeah, too bad it's not going to happen. And T- TSN would never overkill that one. No, they would The only thing that can make that story better is if, like, Johnny Manziel did it or something. <laughs> Could you imagine okay. CFL Twitter going? Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay, what story would you We read? almost made it through a whole season without a Johnny Manziel quote. Oh, I'm sure we talked about him before. Okay, what okay, what XFL drafts coming up next there week, by the way. What what story would you rather hear going into Grey Cup? Riders, Alouettes, Calgary ten years after the fact, or the fact that BC went one in ten and now is in the Grey Cup? I'd rather the Montreal Saskatchewan one. Yeah. Because that means we're in the Grey Cup. Yeah. Unless we're playing BC. That that's like opening a wound. That wound closed the moment the 2013 Grey Cup game ended. Uh, I don't know about that one. I say that now, you know, Until not going back to Calgary for a Grey Cup game. Yeah. But I really do hope that BC wins this week just to keep the conversation going. Keep it going. It's going to happen. I'm oh, yeah. I, 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 well, with like they, Edmonton kept everybody out of practice today. Like literally everybody. I, they're going in the walking wounded. I don't think they're going to win this week no matter what. Well, we'll have our official game picks coming up in just a little bit. But right now, it's time for the Tallgrass Apparel Enemy Preview. Riders at Stamps this upcoming Friday, 7.30. Biggest game of the year, clearly. Slightly bit more important than this last game against Winnipeg. Riders win this game. They get a home playoff game. They win this game, even if it's not by the 28th to take the tiebreak. They control the West at 11-4 and four when everybody else has at least six losses. I'm just waiting for Steve to correct you that the fact that the Riders already do have a home playoff game. No, we don't. Oh, no, they not yet. No, they, they have to win. win this week. I've, I've been correcting the they, CFL that they don't have us on their little clinchy sheet. They've essentially clinched a home playoff game. The game against Winnipeg basically gave us yeah. a home playoff yes. game. Not officially, it, it but would take a colossal dead. meltdown. For we would us. have to lose out. They'd have to win out. Uh, no, it's magic numbers two games. Like yeah. Whatever. One and a half. Oh, yeah, we talked about this. One yeah. and a half. There could yeah. be a tie. Yeah. But basically, the Riders clinched a home playoff game. Almost clinched first with a win this game against Calgary. Really quick, are you guys worried about the op- the Riders' offense? Because, yeah, Shaq Evans put up 193 yards. But other than Shaq Evans, that offense did nothing against Winnipeg. That, that first half was painful. And they have not scored many points at all in the last little bit. Okay, the game against Toronto. <laughs> you said they're not a real team. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll ignore that one. 
27 against Montreal at home. Okay, that's a, that's a that's decent enough score. But really, the offense didn't move until the very end of that game anyway. They put up 40 points on Ottawa. Again, not a real team. The game before that against Montreal, the offense didn't score anything. 45 up against BC. Not a real team, apparently. 38 against BC. But you just said they're making the playoffs. It's the CFL. There's always a not a real team that makes the playoffs. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, when six of nine teams make the playoffs. And four, four of those teams but, that live in the East. But the truth is, the, the Riders' offense, yeah, they're doing enough to win, which is really all you can, I mean, as a fan, that's what we want. We want, we want them to win. They're not putting up huge numbers. They don't need to, though. They With the defense that we've got going right now, they don't need to put up 30, 35, 40 points a game. That's what we said last year. How well did that work out? But the difference is we have an offense that can put up points. Last year, there was no point during that season where I thought, hey, you know, if our defense doesn't show up, we can put up 30 anyways. I feel that way this year. I feel like in a, if there comes down to a shootout, we can do that. We don't need to. They're playing smart game management football, and it works. But the moment that it comes down to one of those those 35-30 type games, I mean, look at Montreal, 27-25, right? They they're, can put up 25-30 points. The thing that worries me more than our offense is our inability to stop taking penalties. They've been really, really undisciplined. And you can't have that 15 games into a year. You can you can be undisciplined the first five as you get going under a rookie head coach, but you got to start getting smarter. And we saw multiple penalties take points off the board. I mean, the Corey Watson uh, blocking downfield. That was a garbage call anyway. Not by the book. Yeah, that's still such a garbage rule. I yeah, that yeah, yeah that that's one of those rules where it's there, but it's yeah, it sucks. But stupid rule, right call. Oh no, and it, and it is they call they called it and they called it, and you gotta you gotta roll with it. But you're right though, this team needs to be more disciplined, especially going into playoffs, because last thing you need is a dumb penalty to wipe a big play off the board, or extend a drive when you don't need it. So. I don't know. I'm not too worried about this offense. I I believe this team can play with anybody. It's just would it be nice if they could put their the foot on the gas a little more. Of course they would, but they're blowing out the teams they need to blow out, and they're beating the teams they need to beat. So you know, what I really liked, and and I didn't mention this earlier. Maybe I should have when we talked about the the bomber game. You know, what I really really liked about the offense is the game plan. And you take a look at the stat sheet. There's no Adam Big Hill. There's no Willie Jefferson. They were invisible. Zero. Not even a tackle. Their star middle linebacker. Not one tackle. Willie Jefferson, best athlete in the league. Not even on the stat sheet. Charleston Hughes, don't get me wrong, Winnipeg also had a good uh, thing. They kept him down to two tackles. That's it. So you got like three of the best defensive players in the CFL with two tackles amongst the three of them. See, and I agree with you to a point, but while keeping Jefferson and Big Hill off the stat sheet, Fajardo got hit a lot, way more than he should have for for a game like that. Fajardo brings a lot of that on himself, though. That damn rollout. He out. needs to stop turning his back to the play, throw the ball away. And this is I could I could give crap to Fajardo about this, but this comes down to coaching. Craig Dickinson needs to pull him aside, whether it's Craig Dickinson or it's Stephen McAdoo, doesn't matter. Pull him aside, tell him throw the damn ball away, cut your losses. It's just, it's getting ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Because we're taking, there was back-to-back sacks. We lost like 25 yards on that when they should have just thrown the ball away. 
And that's going to come with... He's a third-year player. I, I know, but... Don't he, tell me that's going to come with experience. He's a third-year player. Third year he's player. been around long enough. He's played in each year. He he should know this by now. He He's trying he's to... He's 27 years old. I agree, but he's trying to do too much. And I think, in hindsight, in two, three years, he looks down the line and goes, yeah, I probably tried too much. And he forces a lot of the passes, and he's been lucky that not a lot more have been intercepted. He's only thrown seven picks this year. But he needs to stop doing that. Oh, Good teams like Calgary, they're going to figure it out. Look what Winnipeg did. They spied one guy on the outside in the Labor Day game. They did that in the Banjo Bowl. It worked out. I think they kind of got away from that in this past game. Well, because uh, Richie Hall wasn't here this week. They were, they were calling the plays from the ground, basically. That worked out well. But, but he, he, Jardo needs to be better at that. Because it's going to cost him in a playoff. In a tight game, in a playoff game, where you're probably going to play Calgary in the West Final, and as we've seen many, many times, if you make the slightest mistake against Calgary, you almost have to play a perfect game to beat them. Okay, save for Montreal's game this past week where they did beat Calgary. What an ugly win. <laughs> just got to be better. Just, not, just smarter. Just well, got to be smarter with it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not scared of Calgary anymore. Like This year, Calgary's got so many holes in their armor i'm not as scared of them as i used to be don't get me wrong they, with with huff at huff and dickinson at the helm they're going to be well coached but i'm not as they're not the same calgary stampeders that they have in the last couple of years their their offense scares me oh yeah Rich, richie bagleton not richie reggie bagleton eric rogers and of course Bo by mitchell now that's three talented guys on that offense that can turn a game in an instant that's where their biggest strength is right now and that's what happens when you lose guys like like Singleton uh, to the NFL and now Greenwood to uh, to the sixth game. Their their defense is going to suffer, but their offense can do a lot. They're not really putting putting up the points in Calgary, but you know that's going to come. Like I mean, it's they got Bolivar Mitchell back. He can pop off. He's been bad basically for what three four games. You know he's going to be good sometime. And it's always against us. Yeah, it'll be against us. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm not scared of Calgary. I do. I think they got a shot of winning. Of course, I do. They're finally taking that drop off that we've all kind of hoped, but it's not a drastic drop off. They're still a very good team. Oh, and they should be. They've got one of the best. I'd argue the best scout uh, scouting system in the CFL. They oh, were, it's not even close. They, they they always they always find a guy, but this year they've t- taken that step back and they are vulnerable. And I think. I think our team can beat them. I think we, we line up very good with what they got. And right now, the Riders are on their way up, and the and the Stampeders do feel like they're on their way down. They're not they're not quite at that level where uh, we keep hoping at the beginning every of every year that they'll. Uh, oh, I this will be the year they tank. But I, would, I would love to see them in fifth. Don't get me wrong; I don't. It's yeah. never going to happen, but I'd love to see it. Some sometime in our lifetime, the Calgary Stampeders will actually miss the playoffs. It's going to be a glorious year. It's going to be a long time. And then our, that'll be the year that Winnipeg wins. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I make jokes. <laughs> Winnipeg winning. What would you rather prefer? Winnipeg never winning another Grey Cup, but Calgary always being in the hunt, or Calgary being fifth and Winnipeg winning the Grey Cup. 100% Winnipeg never winning a Grey Cup. Yep, give me that. <laughs> go to Winnipeg more than I go to Calgary, so yeah, that's a lot easier, to better to hang on to for me. Let's do our pick em. In the who gives a crap bowl, Ottawa at Toronto. Not the fans. Um, Are you guys even going to watch that? No. Nope. I know it's on before our game, but like, oh, how do you sell that game as, hey, 
tune into this. It's the pinball area. That is how it, it is going to be nonstop pinball coverage front to back. They they will put the mic on pinball. <laughs> Live mic game. Well, live on I would watch that in a heartbeat. That that is probably the best way they can sell it. They will live mic pinball and some pissed off Ottawa fan. Uh, odds, <laughs> so not Josh Smith. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you said pissed off, not pissing off Ottawa yeah, fans. My yeah, bad. Yeah. Um, I would love to see, and you know what's going to happen? They're going to have before that game, Pinball Clemens in the locker room doing a speech. He's going to try and get probably. those guys and amped the, up and good to go. And he'll be in the booth, probably second quarter, for a couple plays, talking to the guys in the booth. Um, Toronto, I guess. I mean, we've we've done so well not picking Ottawa for the last. When was the last time they won a game? It's been a while. It's been a while. It's been thirty-one days since uh, Winnipeg won. I saw that. It's been that a makes while. me happy. Manageable. Yeah, uh, I've got. I gotta go Toronto. You know what? No, Ottawa. We got. They wild. aren't gonna lose another one. We, we got a while. I was waiting here. to make an an aren't joke. Will aren't starting for the Ottawa. Red Blacks. Well, I aren't surprised. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll do the Ryder game last. Montreal at Winnipeg. That might actually be a really good game. Give me big play VA. Montreal. I'll go with Winnipeg. Reluctantly. But why? I don't. Is it know. in Winnipeg? Just a, it is. It's in Winnipeg. Yeah. Just a weird feeling I have. Uh, for your sports gamblers, it's going to be an ugly game though. It's going to be ugly and Winnipeg. Uh, actually, every game this week. All under 50. It's getting colder. There but, might be a snowstorm in, in Calgary. And Winnipeg is a four-point favorite. That's it. At home. At home. To you, an Eastern team. And usually a three-point favorite is uh, is a pick You just get that for being yeah, at home. home. Yeah, so. Which riders are three-point underdogs. It's a pick in Calgary. BC at Edmonton. We all are agreed about this already. BC? Nope. Edmonton. You can't flip flop. You can't kill Absolutely the dream. Can. Stop flip flopping. I said don't I w- kill the dream. I said I want BC to win. I think Edmonton wins and crushes BC's hopes. With no. what? You're flip flopping. Yeah. And as Richard Sherman told us, don't flip flop. Don't flip flop with us. Stick with that position. Hold it. At least stick by your word. Because I want you to sound like an idiot at the end. Well, he does sound like an idiot. <laughs> so it doesn't matter. Well, what? see, he was laughing at the end. I just don't. Their their luck has to run out. There's still a. a they were a one in ten football team. Who the who's going to play for them? Are they, they going to throw a punter? Because they they literally have no players left. They're all injured. Just, just a guess. It's not an educated right, guess. Well, just we have a the guess. right guess. BC, yeah. right? Yeah, terrible guess. Riders in Calgary, biggest game of the year, could determine first place. Saskatchewan. Riders stranglehold first place. Oh, as much as I want that to happen, I just, I don't know. They have played well in Calgary the last couple of years. Seems they play but, better in Calgary than they do against Calgary at home. Yeah, that's true. That, that is always the way. I just so. have this weird feeling that this is the time that Calgary's going to absolutely pop off for 45 points or something stupid like that, and it'll be the the Riders let down game. I, I hope I'm wrong. I really, really do. The good news is, even if they do lose, they've still got a good shot at first or second. In, well, they still got a real good shot at second in the in the West, but they have a legitimate push for first. All you got to do is just win out and have uh, Winnipeg beat Calgary once, which is a legitimate thing. They beat them already this year, so there's hope for that. This is right? a must-win game for Calgary. It's it's a if they want would first, be nice absolutely. for Saskatchewan. All right, well, that's to be seen this upcoming Friday. And, of course, we'll uh, recap that game next week and look ahead to the Riders at BC.
on the next week's show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Piffles Podcast. We are your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can follow me at RealAlexD. I'm there at Safamod. Follow me at Greg on Sports. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash PifflesPodcast. We're also on Instagram at PifflesPod. And go to the website, PifflesPodcast.com. Piffles Podcast is brought to you our Brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Tallgrass Apparel, Churchill Brewing Company, and Underdogs Memorabilia for their support to make this show possible. Piffles Podcast is also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. This is Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind. The Ghost Behind Your Mind.